It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to Locked On Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. How healthy is LeBron going to be when he comes back? Maybe not that healthy. How rich is Austin Reeves going to make himself this offseason? Very, very rich. We'll explain both next. You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks to everybody for making Locked on Lakers first listen of every day, Monday through Friday, no matter how or where you get your podcast. It's always free. It's never behind a paywall. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and uh, participate in Lakers conversations, Lakers uh, discussions with about 14,000 subscribers to that channel, which we really appreciate. Again, Locked on Lakers on YouTube is a great way to access the program. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Anthony Davis. We're going to talk a lot of Austin Reeves on this show, uh, given what he did on Sunday to at least temporarily save the Lakers season. But uh, Andy, let's start with a little bit of housekeeping from uh, Chris Haynes regarding LeBron James, noting that uh, the Lakers are still pushing for LeBron, believe he'll be back. Darwin said that the, uh, on Sunday that they expect him to play in the regular season uh, before any play-in or playoff game uh, would take place. Um, but Haynes did mention that uh, there is some question as to how healthy LeBron would actually be. He certainly wouldn't be 100%. Your thought? No, I, no, I, I can't imagine that anybody was necessarily expecting that, but uh, part of this quote from Haynes, so that means that even when he does come back in regards to when that actually is between now and the end of the regular season, he might not be fully healthy, but they are just trying to buy him some time. With that being said, I don't know how realistic it is that he returns with some games left in the regular season. That is definitely the goal. LeBron James is shooting for that. I just don't know how realistic it is. Right now, can LeBron come back to the final two games of the season? I think it's definitely a possibility, but I think it's premature as of right now. Uh, Michael Korver, uh, Lakers 
uh, Lakers reporter for Clutch Points, he actually tweeted out a quote from Dave McMenamin um, saying that he overheard LeBron telling an arena worker that he would be back for the playoffs for sure as he walked out of the arena. So it seems like the timeline, all this, which I think everybody at this point acknowledges other than, you know, the, the most optimistic version of this that we heard from Darvin Ham, which is that there's an expectation he will be back for the regular season at some point. We don't know exactly when that is Brian, but I don't think anybody can expect anything other than less than 100% LeBron James. I, I mean, I don't know what rational person necessarily thought he would be at a hundred percent when he came back. Like I, I don't think that was anybody's real expectation. I mean, the good news is even the game he got hurt, like the last one he played, um, you know, obviously there's defensive stuff. It, it all matters. But in terms of being able to be effective, um, this is where LeBron's ability to control things really from anywhere on the floor to f- play physically dominant basketball down in on the block near the post, use the footwork and all that kind of stuff. Maybe he's not flying up and down. Maybe you have to protect him a little more defensively. Like if he is, you know, 80% of LeBron James, you do I, I I wouldn't say it's like it's a hundred percent of ever no, there are things that you lose out when LeBron can't play and like he's not as effective a player. But the parts of, of LeBron's game that can be transformative for a team aren't necessarily dependent fully on his mobility. He can he can orchestrate from anywhere at any speed, I think. He he can, but you know, it's it's important to remember that. The last time we saw LeBron in the playoffs, the 2021 first round against the Suns, he had been coming back from an injury, and LeBron did not play up to his standards. No, you're right. He, had, he, he, you could see that he was physically laboring. His overall percentage from the field was the lowest that it had been for the playoffs in several years. Um, going back to 2015, those finals, and that was the one that, or at least. Some of I imagine that the percentages were brought down, I should say, by the finals, because by the time those rolled around, there was no Kyrie, there was no Kevin Love, and it was basically LeBron, Tristan Thompson, and Matthew Della, Della Vadova. So LeBron was seeing like quintuple, <laughs> not, a, not the biggest of threes, <laughs> right? And you know, LeBron, LeBron very understandably struggled during that period where the Cavaliers just had to lean into ugly defensive, defensive bells to trade with those Warriors. and all things considered, did pretty admirable work Mm -hmm. under those conditions. But LeBron did not look like, you know, playoff LeBron. You know, there's there's always been this expectation. We keep hearing about it with this team that as long as the Lakers get into the playoffs, they're going to be dangerous and LeBron can turn it on. And while I do think nobody's going to want to see LeBron in the playoffs just because – there's a psychological there's a psychological factor that just comes with LeBron because he's done everything and he's really damn good. The truth is though, we have not seen an extended playoff run from LeBron James for now going on 2020. Yeah, but we I, don't, I think we don't know what it looks like much less I, this right. version of LeBron coming back from injury. We just I don't. think I think I think that's true for thinking about I you know, it's, it's really two. There are two things we're talking about here when we when we talk about, you know, 
first of all, the Lakers got to get themselves back in the top 10. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and Utah won on um, Monday and Minnesota won on Monday. Golden State won on Monday. The only team that did the Lakers any favors was Dallas. They lost in Memphis. Um, so, you know, the standings got a little tougher. Um, Lakers cannot expect teams to play ball every night. <laughs> like at some point, some of these other teams are going to try, we're going to win a game. Um, but I think we're talking about two things. It's like, can LeBron be the person who leads the Lakers through like this extended play? I th- don't know. Can you get LeBron back before the playoffs start? Seems like a possibility. And does LeBron put getting back in the lineup very likely make the Lakers significantly better? Yes. Yeah. Um, is is the version of LeBron they're going to get good enough to kind of pull off the miracle scenario that nobody quite wants to discount based on some of the games they've won, some of the potential of LeBron and AD and whatever? I, I doubt it, but I'll take the I'll take the first thing. Can he be effective enough to get the Lakers through two play-in games if that's what's required? And this is a, and this is not the kind of you know you injure your shoulder. You can run. You can do like this. Is it's a foot injury? Lamar Odom played. Lamar Odom played a playoff series with a torn labrum in 2007. So I mean, you're you're correct in saying shoulder is more physically uncomfortable and painful and a little bit more limiting. But there are still some things you can do. You start yeah. getting the lower extremities. It's hard, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not sure. It's more. I mean, there's nothing more uncomfortable than a bad foot injury. But like, you certainly, you know, you did, you know. You can't run. You can't condition your. You know, you, there's no you can't amount plant of your foot. Right. There's no amount of elliptical work or pool work you can do to maintain NBA level fitness, even when you are starting at the fitness level of LeBron. Um, speaking of fitness and games and availability and all that kind of stuff, uh, Haynes also reported that. Um, Anthony Davis is going to play in the final season back-to-back of the season when the Lakers play the Jazz and the Clippers, I believe, is at the beginning of April. So that answer, that puts that question to bed. The Lakers are still, I guess, reportedly working out Tristan Thompson and um, Tony Bradley. Wondering where those guys were the other day. <laughs> I mean, like, were those, could you not get a hold of Tristan Thompson for the game in Houston? Um, but, you know, Will they sign one of them? Maybe, maybe not. It would make kind of perfect sense in like sort of the pre-trade deadline uh, thoughts of people had about the Lakers to not have the center for the the game you know AD is going to be out. Tell everyone he's going to play in the back-to-back that you have left and then sign a center that doesn't play. But we'll see what they should they should pick somebody up anyway. To have another tall person around. They yeah. should do it. Yeah, um, absolutely. But it's not the most important consideration of AD. Um, how much these games will matter when LeBron comes back, if LeBron comes back, is dependent on, in a lot of ways, how Anthony Davis plays. And uh, there is still just an enormous amount of conversation about the consistency of his play, what might be holding him back, what might be holding the Lakers back. And Andy, you had an interesting observation based on one of our talking points from yesterday's show. So we'll get to it next. Locked on Lakers is brought to you by FanDuel, and we are down the stretch of the NBA season, and that makes us the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, and new customers get a no-sweat first bet 
up to a thousand dollars, a grand in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, really easy to use. And you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, threes drained, or get saucy with an exclusive bet like the two by three, two three pointers scored in the first three minutes. And FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Interesting line as of this recording for Tuesday Kings getting. Three and a half points at home versus Boston. Sacto is one of the hottest teams in the league. And the Celtics, one of the best road teams, what has to give? Do not miss out on the chance on your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Anthony Davis, you made an interesting observation. We talked a lot on Monday's show about how the extra pressure that Davis has received, particularly since the Toronto game, um, Nick Nurse just threw a bunch of humans at him. And, you know, it, it, it worked very well in limiting AD. The rest of the Lakers did a good job in that game to win it. Um, but that's been kind of the MO for teams since then. Like you've see, just seen a lot more attention, even more than you would normally see when like LeBron is out. And they haven't adjusted well. But you actually made an interesting observation about that, Find some, found some good data about the double team thing. And all of it just gets to this sort of lingering frustration is that the right word disappointment is that the right word with with frustration disappointment um i mean and it's it's all relative because ad is still a really great player Mm -hmm. and you know he is if lebron is available and healthy and i guess maybe six years younger like ad in certain respects would be perfect and some of this has to do with obviously ad's own injury concerns but there's also the idea that ad was supposed to be the guy at this point that had received the proverbial torch from lebron and really be the guy that was the engine of the proverbial car and before getting into the thought i had i wanted to read a comment from the youtube section from tk from monday's show he's saying and this was in regard to our discussion about the double teams maybe even triple teams that uh, ad was facing what the lakers should do about it he said, so we don't want AD on the low block. We don't want him on the elbow. And we don't want him to have to think. Basically, want him catching lobs and spoon-fed layups. Sounds like a rich man's Nick Claxton to me. I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you, just acknowledging. But honestly, I don't think it's the double-slash-triple team coverage. AD has been seeing doubles for years now. It's about him being assertive. He had bad stretches last season, too, followed by dominant 30-point games. He gets double-teamed in those 30-point games, too. The difference is he plays piss-slash-motivated and, as such, dominates. I think the bottom line is AD is just inconsistently great. While Embiid, Jokic, sometimes even DeMontis Sabonis are more consistent. And I was thinking about what TK said. And I, and because, you know, I think I had registered more dissatisfaction or frustration with AD's inability to handle those looks 
than you had talking about it. And like, obviously the ultimate goal is everyone to carry their weight and the supporting cast makes opponents pay for doubling and tripling AD because when they hit their shots, it opens up more of the floor for AD and makes life easier. But, you know, as we also discussed too, it's the functional limitations without having LeBron because it makes adjustments harder to do. But at the same time, A, as we discussed, Sunday versus Orlando when AD could not figure out how to dominate offensively, that was a night where guys were hitting their outside shots and it still didn't happen. But also, too, and, and I think TK really got me thinking about this. It dawned on me, Brian, just how little we actually hear ourselves say they were throwing doubles or third guy at AD, and it just didn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. he, it just didn't matter. There was nothing they could do with him. And I'm not saying that AD should be able to do that every single game because even the best superstars will have trouble with that. But – it would be nice to just be able to say more often they threw the kitchen sink at AD and it just didn't yeah. matter. I, it would be really reassuring, especially now. Now to, he- I, to hear us I, I say think, that more. I think TK's there's actually a, a ton in TK's comment that I agree with. Um, I think the problem really is kind of it's it's threefold. It's the Lakers aren't doing a good job um, schematically to find ways to make to 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 loosen things up to make it harder for defenses to defend Davis um, I think you know and you look at you know Trevor Lane from uh, our friend from Lakers Nation put out some really interesting numbers just about the Lakers since the the trade deadline and you know they are been a great defensive team that's something we we've We've talked about a lot. Number one in defensive rating, they're twenty second in offensive rating, and obviously a lot of those games coming without LeBron. Um, a couple of them, I think, coming out with AD too. Um, but they're also not generating turnovers, um, and so they're not creating a lot of opportunities that way for like easy offense, getting out on the break. These are places obviously where AD thrives, and you know, so I think that's an issue. Um, that they've got some scheme problems. I think the you know the the on court chemistry with AD and some of the new guys isn't yet great, um, particularly with like the pick and roll with Russell. So there's little stuff like that. And then I think absolutely agree with TK. Agree with you that a chunk of this belongs to Davis himself um, because he sort of does seem stuck between, am I doing the right thing? Am I not? I mean, you know, there's, it's like, you know, when we make the POW comparisons, yeah, that he gets limited by what he thinks he's supposed to do rather than just bleep it. I, I don't care. Like, I'm going to take the next four possessions and bull through whatever anybody puts in front of me. We'll see what happens. You don't see that. Um, no. But I, you know, all of this stuff is related to each other. Um. But then that's why I expected a better game in the Orlando game because like, he, he, he usually responds to that mental thing after something really disappointing. It happened you know, a week ago, whatever, with the New Orleans game. And it didn't happen in, against Orlando. I thought he was okay defensively early and it got better as really yeah. very good in the second half. Um, but offensively, he is in, I think that you know, he is inconsistent with his greatness you know, as TK was saying, in ways that separate him 
from other great players in the league. The other thing that was interesting too is because you and I had a, a lot of discussion about all those, you know, double teams, even occasional triple teams that AD was has been facing. And TK's comment, how often is AD actually getting double teamed? And I landed on something from NBA, NBA.com, the top 20 players double teamed this season, like the average amount of possessions double teamed. And it only goes to the top 20. And I don't know if I if I could find a way to manipulate it or something for like the last 10 games, five games where AD would rank. But he's not in the top 20 for, for the players right. this season, double teamed. Like the list really quick is Luca Harden, Giannis, Shea, Brunson, Ja, Embiid, Dame, LeBron, Booker, Randall, Van Vliet, Trey Young, Kevin Porter Jr., Kyrie, Siakam, De'Aaron Fox, Garland, Anthony Edwards, Kawhi. That's your top 20. And I realize there can be context to all sorts of stuff. You know, there there are more guards. I, I, how, and wins I, it's like how are they there. calculating a double team this time? But point is, he's not in the top 20 of this. No, like, no. When you see something like that, you know, and look, if say AD happens to be, and I have no idea, 21, <laughs> that could mean he's still seeing a decent amount of doubles. But on over the course of the year, he is not one of the most doubled players in the league. And yet we're still thinking about how does AD get himself going regularly in a way that feels more dependable, like you would look for from a superstar. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I, I, I think that all of this is is relevant. Again, like a, a lot of it points to AD himself, and but it's it's also like you know, and then it like look last like on Sunday. I I saw a lot of comments. You know, he wasn't engaged. He wasn't. I don't think that was true. I I think he was. He was, and they were trying to figure out ways to, to like get going. And like AD was dropping, you know, you know, rolling hard. He was doing it to me, to my eye. And the, but the, you know, there were what five turnovers in the first half that I think were just trying to tight, you know, tight quarters, get, you know, force feed these passes to AD down the lane. And they just didn't work. And it, the, the, the scheme needs to change. They're the fans that stick up for him are also correct when they say that we are putting an enormous amount on AD and expecting him to sort of overcome a lot of like real yeah. legitimate and structural things. And they and are he, correct too. Yeah. On top of being not a hundred percent, I promise you, AD is not a hundred percent with his health right now and that foot and it wouldn't shock you know this is not based on any knowledge it wouldn't shock me at all if he ended up having a procedure this offseason mm -mm. like he's this is a lot on ad's plate they need it they just mm -hmm. do um you can't they can't and more than that they need a higher floor it's not so much that the ceiling from ad needs to be 37 you know and he's got you know 40 points a night for the you know for three weeks in a row it's what you can't have are these games like Houston, like um, you know the New York game, like we're just or or like it was in Orlando, where the the floor for a an ordinary AD game isn't high enough 
One guy, Andy, who's not having a lot of clunkers. <laughs> Simple, easy transition. Austin Reeves. Um, he is going to be rich this summer. How rich and where is the money going to come from? That's next. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Um, So the Lakers can offer Austin Reeves a maximum themselves of four years and $50 million. That is the rule for a guy coming off the contract, the kind of contract that Reeves has uh, this year. Um. That's the most they can offer. That's the most they can the offer. We'll get to, right. That's not the most right. he can get paid by the Lakers, but it's the most the Lakers can offer. First question I have Austin Reeves has established himself as a guy who will earn on the market more than 50 for four. Would you agree? Probably. If, if I, Probably. If, or if not, he is real close. Like yes, that. I would. I can't say with absolute certainty that I think Austin Reeves is getting $13, $14 million a year next season, but I absolutely don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities, that's for sure. Um, I think he has outplayed that number. Um, what is that, 12 and a half a year, basically, on average? Um, Four and 50, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was told there would be no math. So... You know, you look at him, he's a second-year player. He's not a 19-year-old or a 20-year-old. He's 24. Um, I guess that does limit a tiny bit, like what people think his his curve up could be. Um, the good news for the Lakers is that they are allowed to turn him in by, you know, with a qualifying offer and all that stuff, can turn him into a restricted free agent. And other teams can offer him more with that sort of poison pill thing. He can... His first two years, as I understand, are basically set in stone if they kind of max him out, um, no matter the team. But then they can another team could do that thing where they in the third year they jump his salary up to twenty-two million. And in the fourth year they jump it up to twenty-five million or something like that. Um, to where the Lakers to keep Reeves would have to pay, you know, say four years in total and sixty-five, four right. years and seventy. I, I, how, how, how expensive do you think Reeves would have to get before they let him go? I think you start getting into 65 to 70. I think that starts becoming, depending on who else the Lakers plan to keep, you know, D'Angelo Russell, they're going to pick up uh, Malik Beasley's option. Are they going to, match a reasonably aggressive offer for Rui Hachimura. Like you start looking at 65 to 70 for Austin Reeves, I think maybe backloaded probably, but still nonetheless, right. Backloaded that could start becoming problematic for the Lakers. The flip side is I would be pretty surprised if Austin Reeves got more than 15 a year. I'd be surprised. That's 60. That's 60. I know, but I said 65 to 70 is where right. I would No, that's start. fair. Right, sure. 
I would I would be like Austin Reeves starts getting 17 and a half a year. Would it shock me? No. Would it surprise me? Yes. Because that's a lot of money off. I would say really a one-year sample size because the Austin played really well last year, but last year was easier to write off in a well, somebody has to do something on that crappy team. Right. And he only shot and, 30, like he only shot 32% from three. So is this right. year the year that at 38% that is more indicative of what he is, or was it last year when he was a 30? It was not a great three-point shooter at Oklahoma. No. Okay. Well, actually, this this gets into before before we even get into what I ultimately think Austin has, like as far as his, his trump card, the ace in the hole with these eventual negotiations with the Lakers. What do you see as Austin Reeves' potential ceiling? Like, is he like a, a one-time all-star type potential, like that type of ceiling? Because, you know, his his per 36s since the all-star break, you know, his his number since the all-star break, 13, just regular 27 minutes per game, 17 points per game, 58% from the field, 40.5 from behind the arc, five assists against less than two turnovers, three rebounds, nearly seven trips to the line, 82%. He's got the fourth highest net rating on the team behind LeBron, Dennis Schroeder, D'Lo, then Reeves, then Anthony Davis. Per 36 numbers, which would be like just starters numbers, young starters numbers, 22 points per game, four rebounds, nearly seven assists against just two and a half turnovers, nearly nine trips to the line. Like those are really good numbers. So do you see him as like a potential like maybe one, two-time trips to the All-Star team, or a guy like Mike Conley, who until recently never made an All-Star team, but you knew he was All-Star caliber. Is he like Danny Green, a super high-end, super in-demand role player, but nobody you think of as an All-Star? Like, where do you see his ceiling? Because I think in a lot of ways, that's going to determine the money he could get. I... I mean, I, I'm I'm trying to think of the right comp. I don't think he's an all star. Okay. Um, if if you told me that Austin Reeves at some point would make a team, I mean, sure, it wouldn't. But like, the the making an all star team is brutally difficult. Yeah. Um, what I do think he is is sixth man. You know, you know, elite sixth man caliber. Um, very fun, you know, high end glue guy starter on a good team kind of thing. The other thing that helps Reeves is he has enormous value to good teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think he, there are certain players who put up can kind of put up big numbers, but will get swallowed up on good teams. Um, and their, their value decreases. Um, I think his, his need to be utilized as a scorer might go down in certain contexts, but his, his skill set and connectivity and brain um, make him incredibly valuable on good teams. And I, so that opens up the market for him. Um, I think he is an elite. I think his high end is probably elite role player. Um, but in the NBA, that's worth between 15 yeah. and $22 million a year, depending on who you're talking about and, and when. And he's 24. So you can and sign what you a, want from the role player. Right. And I, I think what helps Reeves too is like, look, it, would a poison pill contract where you go into the third year of that deal and you say paying Austin Reeves $21 million this year is kind of a bummer. 
Um, yeah, probably. But the flip side is the first two years of that where you're paying him 11, you'd be like, eh, probably getting three or $4 million of value out of this. It's also theoretical when you're trying to squeeze the absolute last bit of that juice from LeBron. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so right. at least at that point, the most what? expensive parts of Austin Reeves are theoretically when you're asking more of him because LeBron's not on the team anymore. And I think I think you can get more out of Reeves, and he's going to continue to get better. He's going to continue to get more confident. Um, I think, you know, if you're one of these people who believes that, you know, in the linkage between free throw shooting and three-point shooting, you would certainly be encouraged by the fact that he is an excellent free throw shooter um, in terms of trying to decide is this year's three-point shooting performance more of what you're going to be because 37, 30, 37 through 41 percent Austin Reeves probably is an 18 million dollar guy. Um, 32 or 33 percent is not. The the chances of feeling like you are wildly overpaying for Reeves because he just sucks, I think, are really low. And so, like we talked about, floor of like Anthony Davis performances. The, the floor for Austin Reeves, I think, is pretty high to the point that it, I, he'll never be like useless. Um, you know, not be one of these $17 million guys who plays like a $4 million guy. Like so I think that model. helps him. Yes. Good, great example. Um, but here, okay, sp- staying with the Heat, though, really quick before I get to the Trump card thing, like Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson would be the disastrous version of what we're talking about. What would be the very tricky version of it? And it's not apples to apples, and I swear it's not because I'm about to bring up another white player, but Tyler Hero, like somebody that can be really, really useful, and in particular with Miami, with their structure, they really needed to have him. But when Tyler Hero doesn't play up to the greatest expectations for Tyler Hero, and I think it's been considered on balance kind of a mixed it's bag. Been a, it's been a, been a disappointing season. Right. Like then that contract, which otherwise wouldn't seem insane. And and Hero, Hero makes more than I think Austin Reeves is ultimately going to end up making. But you want to make it closer to Danny Green feeling like when he's healthy, you know, Danny Green's best contracts when he was healthy, worth every penny versus Tyler Hero, where it feels like there's a lot of swings. He starts next year, 23, 24, 27, 29, 31, 33. I mean, or that's like, you know, the Jordan Poole money. Like Golden State, Golden State is not, they can't be feeling great about that Jordan Poole contract, which again is way more than I think Austin Reeves is going to get. Here's the thing, and I know you got one more point of this, so I'm not going to get deep into it. But and I, I will save this for tomorrow because I think this is my biggest reaction to like, would the is there a price point at which the Lakers would let him get away? Would they just sort of cheap out like they did against like they did with Caruso? Um, is that the way things are set up with the Lakers right now? If you don't bring one of these pieces back, you can't, still can't replace them. You almost have to bring everyone back. Or bring no one back. If you bring, if you re-sign Reeves, if you bring back Russell, if you do, you know, bring back Vanderbilt, you bring back Hachimura, but you let Beasley go, you're saving money, but you can't replace Beasley with, you know, not in any meaningful way. So, like that, th- this is one of the things I want to talk about for for Wednesday's show. Is like the Reeves question is related to every other free agent that they have. They're all interconnected. 
Well, the, the last thing I was going to bring up, and you you mentioning uh, letting Caruso walk over money, um, that was in a lot of ways the best thing that could have ever happened to Austin Reeves. Mm-hmm. Because A, Caruso not being there, one less guard equaled more immediate opportunity for Reeves right away. No question. But also, the optics of that decision alone could be worth a few extra mil for Austin Reeves because they can't can't do that twice. Allow him to leave, like especially <laughs> because Reeves, I think he's the better overall player. Like Caruso, I think is maybe better at his specialty, elite wing defense than any one thing Reeves does. But Reeves is better at more things than Caruso. That is, I would agree. And, and I'm not saying, by the way, that they have no choice to bring him back after what happened with Caruso, but I will say that next undrafted rookie white boy better be really good. <laughs> <laughs> he better be real good, like yeah. MVP candidate good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's, there's a limited pool. <laughs> yeah. um, the risk of stereotyping, you can only go like, that well rephrase. so many There's times. not a limited pool of plucky white guys out there. No, that good though. That good is the problem. That Plucky. Good. Okay, you can find pluck mm-hmm. um, of any color. You can find pluck. Sure. Good is 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 a bigger challenge. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I completely agree with you. Um, it, it is fascinating. So we'll talk more about this for uh, for Wednesday show. Get you ready for the the Phoenix game Wednesday night. Locked on Lakers on YouTube is where you can go to see the show and uh, engage with us. Engage with. Uh, other fans and you know like you said andy used a comment from tk earlier in the show we love to wrap that stuff in there uh, particularly when you guys you know kind of extend the conversations in ways that we didn't think about so um appreciate that we'll see everybody on wednesday hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today